like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Everybody, welcome to the London Western Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and returning to the show is the co-host of the Water Maneuver and the Bali Show Ugly Podcast, Joe Grinning. Joe, welcome back. Oh, thank you very much, Robert. Glad to be here. I'm glad to be here and talking about uh, what I think is maybe a slightly better match than the one we talked about before, but people haven't heard us talk about yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm good. How are you? How have you been in the um, last week since we last spoke? Uh, not too bad. Just um, just trying to get everything sorted out for this uh, podcast series. And um, this year it is ten years of Money in the Bank. So it's the first in the podcast series describing every Money in the Bank match, uh, which there have been fourteen, I think, and their cash-ins. Um, and we're talking about the first one, which took place at WrestleMania 21. In 2005. Um, so, Joe, you know, just the way we recorded, recorded the one, the training for before this one. Um, when you first heard about Money in the Bank, what were your ideas about it? Wow, that's it's going back so far that it's honestly hard to remember. Um, well, let's see. This was, like, I was still in college when this match happened. I mean, I was excited for it. I think I was interested in the concept. Uh, ladder matches usually allow for uh, some good high spot work and some decent psychology. And I think, you know, we talked about last time, which, again, the people listening haven't actually heard yet. But uh, one thing I really do like about the Money in the Bank ladder match is that the psychology is very easy. Um, it's it's get the fucking briefcase. Um and and that's ladder match psychology in general, but Money in the Bank adds a bunch of dudes. And when you've got a bunch of dudes in a multi-man match, but the goal is just to win, yeah. um, the psychology becomes a lot easier. When there's eliminations and stuff, then the psychology becomes more difficult. But if it's a one fall to a finish or a get the briefcase off the thing or whatever, um, the psychology becomes a lot easier. And then you, you're sort of less bogged down uh, with the narrative and you're able to focus more on um, on uh, high spots, basically. Which isn't to say you can just forget about narrative. You shouldn't do things that jeopardize your opportunities to get the briefcase. And you should be consistent in the storytelling that way. But generally speaking, you don't have to think as much about what is the story here. Because the story is get up the ladder, get the briefcase, get the world title shot. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, very surprising match, and we have had ladder matches before, but um, the role. Uh, I think the closest thing that could be similar to this might be in No Mercy '99, which is the Terrorization Tournament, which is for like her managerial services, one for a belt. So um, quite an um, interesting concept. When I first heard about this, just for God, wrestling, and I thought it was a really good idea, and um, could be something that um, I didn't think it would last ten years. I don't want to be doing this podcast, um, but um, it's something that is 
to me, it's one of my favorite matches to look forward to uh, every year now. Um, so we'll get to the brief history about this. Um, in Cape, even though it's actually true enough, uh, this is all Chris Jericho's idea. He has a segment on uh, a war feud for WrestleMania, and he's talking about all the matches that are taking place, and he's going to have Kurt Angle play Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan's going to the Hall of Fame, so uh, Austin's going to be in Piper's Pit. And he talks about, you know, make it more elite, we should have a ladder match for a champion opportunity with elite superstars. And um, the concept of Money in Bank is born, and he pitches that to the uh, general manager for war at the time was Eric Bischoff. Uh, Bishop goes, that's a good idea, and um, does it. And this was quite unique in the first match because this is only for the war superstars. Uh, so at the time they were going for the world heavyweight championship match. Um, did you think it should be that should have gone out to all the brands, or perhaps perhaps this one to keep it on just the war? Uh, no, I think it should have gone. I mean, I I was growing to very strongly dislike the brand extension by this time. Um. And I think that it probably would have been better served to uh, allow anybody who wanted to do it to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, but um, the the guys that are in this one, it's a, it's a pretty good crop of dudes. So, you know, I, it's hard to complain about this particular lineup. So it may have been for the best. Um you know, when they started having two of them as well, then there's this weird thing of like, on the one hand, it's like there's two matches, they're competing. And so that, you know, that's great that they're trying to outperform each other, but by the same token, then it's sort of like, I don't know, it, it, it's weird. It's the same thing with the Elimination Chamber, right? There was a point where it was like, there'll be a SmackDown one and there'll be a Raw one. And it's like, I don't really need, and even just this last elimination chamber match. Like, I know they want to get the most mileage out of setting up that damn chamber, yeah. but like two chamber matches in one night. Um, now the last pay per view did it a little better because they had a tag team one and an intercontinental one, a tag team one and a singles one. Um, you know, but really, like, I, it sort of takes away the specialness of it. So I think when they had the big ones, when they get eight guys and ten guys and it was both brands in one match. I think that's probably the best way to do it. But that's, right. you know, that's just uh, one man's opinion. Right. Right. So uh, six competitors that take part are Chris Jericho, makes sense because it's kind of his idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Shedden Benjamin, Kane, Christian, and Chris Benoit and Edge. So, um, so the match starts... So, sorry. Do we know... I'm sorry. Do we know, like whose idea this really was because it's sort of it sort of has a dusty roads feel about it but the rules are too simple like dusty roads conceived matches usually have more convoluted and ridiculous rule sets than this do we know like was it pat patterson was it vince was it actually chris jericho like Um, do we know I don't know i've looked at um don't mind on the only thing i was this probably is wikipedia um, and it does seem to keep the fact that it probably really was Jericho's idea. Um, Jericho does kind of mention that he was gonna even proposing, uh, I think his idea was like a submission match between Edge, Jericho, and Benoit, and a ladder match between other wrestlers. And that kind of evolved probably with discussions with the, um, with like the writers or something like that to become the, the money in the back ladder match. So it probably might be made clear. I mean, Jericho might have mentioned it more in his book, but I've not walked in his book in ages. 
So, um, and I don't listen to his podcast. So you might have mentioned that, but right. I don't know. So, okay. so um, the match starts. Um, all the wrestlers come out, but Kane comes out last. And um, Kane is greeted by the arrival of all the wrestlers as they try to get rid of him straight away. Um, uh, Kane at this point is unmasked, um, which was for ages, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But um, Kane deals with it, and then, uh, but Benoit and Benjamin do hit him with a double suplex. Um, Christian is the person to get the ladder, but Jericho sends it to his face, and then the bell, the bell, funny is that the bell doesn't ring until this moment. Right. Yeah, all, all the final things was outside the ring, but then the bell rings. Um, Jericho Benjamin fights in the ring, and then, uh, Jericho hits a face bust then springboard drop kick on Edge of Benoit, who was standing there open at the time. Um, then you get the more you get ladder matches where, like, you have, like, one person does, like, an area move from one place to the outside, and then, all kind of thing that's the piley on effectively. Um, so you get an over top crossbody and edge followed by Christian and Benjamin and then Kane does a really bad bit on splashing goals. Um, and then Kane brings a ladder and then hits Edge and then Christian with it. And then Jericho is admitted to Dublin Kane. Um, so you get a lot of people uh, instances and you get the older look money about ladder matches now whilst ladder psychology is simple probably some of the spots are quite, quite the same as well. I'm sorry, say again? No, I'm just saying that uh, when you're talking about the uh, psychology of the match, it's really mm-hmm. easily. Um, probably going to go so many of them, and perhaps it's because of that psychology, it's probably a lot of the spots can be the same. So you get like mm-hmm. the um, area moves, and people have climbed the ladder and been pulled off, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. Which, I mean, that can be, there's a lot of that. Like somebody inevitably will get drop kicked off the ladder, somebody inevitably will suplex somebody off the ladder, somebody will jump off and splash someone or do a moonsault off of it. Um, but that's fine. There's always good creative stuff. I mean, it, it was the first time Benjamin ran up the ladder, right? When that was, so we haven't gotten there quite yet, but the ladder is leaned against the other ladder yeah. and he runs up it. You know, it, that, like, it, <laughs> you know, it's like that was really cool at that moment, and now they do it in every, like, single one of these. <laughs> it's, like, sort of less cool. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, but it's it. I mean, yeah. So the psychology being that is going to lend itself to some of that stuff. But there's still a lot of guys who are creative, guys who are going to take bigger risks, and I don't and and see some different and interesting uh, spots. There was a, like the then the there's the one where John Morrison does a you know a moonsault from the top with a ladder to the floor, and you know you don't see that in every. Uh, ladder match or every uh, Money in the Bank match, and so there's always going to be something unique. I think that that some guys are going to bring to the table, and and, I'm, and repeated spots are a thing that I'm fine with with seeing yeah. too. I mean, it, it all makes sense, right? Yeah, they do. Um, I think it's different for me because you're supposed to. Be, it's like the one talking about the street match. You're not supposed to be watching the year and watching. I've seen these all these matches over like a three four week period, so um, perhaps I will probably notice the repetition a bit more. Mm. Yeah. But also, right, so that's the other thing, too. Like, most people don't watch these, like, <laughs> you know, back to back to back to notice yeah. that. Um, so, you know. Yeah. We're going to get to um, Jericho gets the ladder, and then he uses it on Benjamin, then Edge, and then Benoit uh, grabs Jericho and German suplexes him while he's still holding the ladder, which I thought was a nice spot. Mm hmm. Um, Jericho starts to climb up the ladder, um, but when Kane tries to stop him with a choke slam, uh, Benoit reverses into his triple crossface. 
mm-hmm. then. Um, but um, he does. Benoit tries to attack Benoit, and then Edge also gets in the crossface as well. Um, Kane obviously doesn't want to be in the crossface anymore, so he hits lad- <laughs> Benoit with a ladder and then starts attacking his arm a bit. And yeah. then, um, and then you get to see um, Ed and Christian team up together briefly at this point, because um, Edge hits Kane with a spear, and then they drop ladders, and then sandwich Kane in them. Um, I don't know if you you rest, you were a fan of the wrestling at this time, but were they both heels or? Uh, yes, they were both heels at this oh. time for sure. Um, and then the Ben Doom hits them with a springboard clothesline. Um, mm-hmm. Edge then sends Ben into the ladder and then tries to um, spear him, but he, he no Ben dodges it and um, Edge goes crashing into the ladder instead. Mm-hmm. And then um, Ben hits a splash, sending Edge onto the ladder as well. Um, ben Doom starts to climb up the ladder and then almost drops it uh, the briefcase. But mm-hmm. Jericho stops it and the starts stage with punches and then um and then you get the spot where you have two ladders at the same time. So um S uh Christian sets up another ladder and then climbs up it and then Ben Wars follows. Um S sets up another ladder and climbs that. Um I can't remember how I think both Christian and Benoit kind of knock each other off at the same time. I'm not really Christian the... Christian like single arm DDTs Benoit. He grabs his arm and just brings him down right. uh, off of it, which looks really good. And Benoit's already been selling the arm from some previous stuff, so that yeah. looks really good. Um, uh, and that then I think is that when I think Edge like suplexes Benjamin off the ladder uh, after no, that or no. something. I think this is a later one because um well Benjamin pushes off Jericho and then um Benjamin hits Edge with a T bone suplex off the ladder. Oh that's okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah. and then Chris uh, Jericho and Christian fight that out and then Jericho climbs up and then uh Benjamin calls him off the ladder like out of nowhere. Right, he yeah, leaned. Yeah, that's the spot, right? He leans yeah. the one ladder still leaned up against it. He runs up the ladder that's leaned against the main ladder yeah. and close lines Jericho off the top, yeah. which is a really good looking spot. And there's immediately put into all the video games, and like now it's like sort of the trademark spot of the uh, yeah the money in the bank ladder match. Yeah, um, Benjamin has lost the but uh, Benoit hits him with another, and then Kane hits Benoit with big boots, and then he chokes slams Benjamin out of the ring. But as um for in trapping the ropes. Um Tyson Tomko, who I had never seen before because I wasn't into wrestling then. Because he was there, I was like, Who's who's that guy? Um, right. he, he, he was, was he was he's Christian's problem solver. Oh uh, okay. Um Kenny was a Christian, but I didn't know what he was doing there. Um he comes in and hits Kane with big boots. Um yep. Tom gonna hit Christian Clam the ladder, which is fine, because we've been ladder match is pretty no solidification. Um and then uh but Kane deals with um Tom Cobb by closing out of the way. And then he pushes uh the ladder and then that sends Jack Christian flying onto Tom Cobb himself. Um Kane and Jack then fight out on the ladder and then but the um ladder topples, I presume naturally. Um send Jack out the way to put Kane on the mat. Um, Benoit sets up the ladder uh, in the corner and then hits Air Canada on Kane off the ladder and uh, that's when Benoit puts his head open. Yeah, that's kind of that's a little cringeworthy. Yeah. Um, at this point, and it's like, well, so one, he he his he had stitches in his head from something. They explain it, but I don't remember what they said it was from. Yeah. I can't remember what it was for either. 
So he got he got took a chair shot or whatever it was on TV that week. He does the diving headbutt. He hits Kane. So he does the diving headbutt off of like a what I, whatever twelve foot ladder or whatever yeah. it is. Immediately the stitches rip. So he's bleeding like a stuck pig. And on top of that, like just every time I see Benoit do that move now, and and since I watch so much late '90s stuff, I see him do that move a lot, and it's just sort of like ah, you know, like. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times you take the bump on your stomach and you don't actually impact with your head. Uh, but, you know, given what we know, sort of the story was same thing with Foley, even like, you know, Foley didn't murder his family, obviously. But like you see Foley, old matches of Foley where he's taking unprotected chair shots for yeah. like no reason, like just on random episodes of Raw. He's yeah. taking these ridiculous unprotected chair shots to the head. And you're just like, oh, man, like I that is so bad. Like, why? Who thought that was a good idea? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with Benoit just doing this fucking diving headbutt. It's like you could have splashed him. You could have elbowed him. You could have, you know, whatever. But clearly he hits his head because the stitches rip and it's just, yeah, it's the blood doesn't bother me. I mean, I could stand to see a little more blood in modern wrestling. Um, I'm not I'm not like a vampire about it. I don't, yeah. I'm not like this is so lame that they never bleed anymore. But I think there is a time and a place for blood in professional wrestling. Yeah, um, I agree with that. You know, but um, but the just the head impact. Anytime I see that with Benoit, it just makes me cringe a little bit. You know. Um, yeah, cause especially because he seems to do it every match, and you know they're wrestling mm-hmm. two matches a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the, and one yeah. thing about Rob Foley as well, but also that, but also worried about his knees because he would normally in wrestling where he falls onto steps, they go, they kind of turn him back and hit the back of it. Uh, that's safer, but Foley because well, Foley's argument does make sense. You're like you would never do that, but you I see him just go flying knee first over the steps. It's like how are you not? <laughs> how are you not having knee replacement? Yeah, I don't get. But um, I don't know Foley is probably one of those guys who I, I loved him as a wrestler, but perhaps uh, took a bit too many risks. Mm, yeah, I mean it's always. So that's always debatable, right? Like, what's too many risks? And, like, if you make your career on taking risks and you wouldn't have made all that money if you hadn't made, taken those risks, um, you know, is it – are they unnecessary? Is it still worth it? Like, Austin uh, – I guess you don't think of it in the same way necessarily, but, like, right, Austin breaks his neck at SummerSlam in 1997, yeah. and he's back wrestling full-time within, like – I don't know, two months or three months, like yeah. that, not enough time to let your fucking broken neck heal. Right. Yeah. And like, essentially that ended up ending his career early. And so, but if he hadn't come back when he did, would his career have gone the same trajectory? Like what happens at WrestleMania? If Austin is at home, letting his neck heal fully, you know, who beats Sean at WrestleMania 14 and what implications does that have going forward? Like what, Without Austin to grab the ratings, like what happens with WC? Like does WCW end up grinding WWF down all the way? So it's like in that respect, is like were those risks worth it? Well, like I guess they kind of were because even though like Austin's still alive, yeah. he can still walk, he just can't wrestle anymore. Yeah. Um, and his career was cut short, but like how much money did he make? How how much how much did he do for professional wrestling? You know, in general. I mean, I'm sure if you were to ask him, like, was it worth it? He'd probably be like, yes, it was worth it, you know? And so, but in the case of Benoit, like, was it worth it? The answer is clearly no, no. Uh, because three people, including him, died. Uh, more more importantly than him, his child died and his wife died. 
And, uh, the, you know, to me, the child is the biggest tragedy of that. So, like, those were definitely clearly unnecessary risks because the what ended up being the result of Benoit's risks with both um, concussions and steroid use was that lives were lost, innocent yeah. lives were lost because of it. And that there, there's no there's nothing in professional wrestling that is worth the loss of a child's life, in my estimation. So, I mean, I guess you take it on a case by case basis, right? Like Foley. Yeah. We don't know about Foley yet, like, but I mean, if the dude is 60 and can't his own name, if he can remember to answer, was it worth it? Maybe it will be worth it to him because he made a lot of money and he, you know, was able to at least use his 40s and 50s uh, uh, not working where most people, most Americans at least work until they're 62 or 65. <clears throat> and, you know. If you if it diminishes your faculties later in life, was it worth it at the time? I I can't only McFoley can answer that. I yeah. but I can definitely answer in the case of Chris Benoit. No, it was yeah. not worth the risk. I, I see what you mean from that. Um, talking about headbutts, um, he decides to um, climb the ladder, but Kane goes after him, and he gets with a cane by um, headbutts and Kane off the ladder. Um, Benoit uh, looks like he's going to win, but um, I'm not. Well, the video I saw, the kind of cut the edge of it a bit. So I just heard this. I heard this smack, and then realized there's Edge who pretty much destroys Benoit's arm with a steel chair, um, and that sends Benoit off the ladder. Um, edge climbs up, gets the briefcase, and it's the first ever money in the bank. Um, mm-hmm. Did you think that was the right decision for him to win? Um, you know, I thought. Um... I'm trying to remember now. I, I I was of the opinion, and I had been of the opinion for many years that I remember a friend of mine and I had talked about like around WrestleMania 15 or 16. We were like, man, by WrestleMania 20, Edge is going to be the champ. Uh, like he's just on that trajectory. They're going to keep building him. Like that guy has got a bright future. And then he hurt his neck and was out for like a year. And so then we were. So then when he won, I think it was. I think it was definitely his time. And I don't remember specifically if I felt like the booking at this time meant he was going to win. I, I really don't remember how I felt about that, but I definitely felt like it was his time to be in that position, yeah. you know, by now coming off of that injury. And he was a great heel and he like just, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like it was his, his, uh, his moment in the sun was, was coming and deserved yeah. by this point. Yeah. So. Actually, um, one thing I found interesting is that apparently Edge didn't want to do the match, but he was convinced otherwise because like nothing said to him. This is, you know, just going to be a history-making match, blah blah blah. Um, and obviously it's going to be a good decision because he won the match. Um, so um, just briefly we talk about the cash-in. Um, now at the time uh, of this match, uh, the World Heavyweight Championship was at war. However, uh, later in the year in the draft. Uh, the world champion was Batista and the W champion John Cena. They pretty much uh, swapped places in the draft. So uh, because Edge was a war superstar, he had a chance for the W champion instead. Um, he did have to defend his contract in the ladder match against Matt Hardy on um, the W Homecoming War, where he won that. And then we now fast forward to uh, New Year's Revolution 2006, uh, which was the 8th of January. Um, Edge had an intercontinental match with Flair, but he uh, lost that by getting to the Strata 5 by hitting with Flair's briefcase. 
And then the uh, main event of the match was John Cena. He pretty much had an elimination chamber match. Uh, but he pretty much managed to win the match. He went to defeat Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, Kane, Kalito, Bazzari, and Chris Masters, also Bazzari. Um, but he, at the beginning of the video, he is fucked up. He's bleeding everywhere. He is absolutely shattered. Um, yeah. And for the only time this happened, uh, Vince McMahon comes out and announces that Edge is going to cash in his money in the bank. Which is so weird yeah. <laughs> that Vince comes out to do it. But yeah. Yeah. This this show is not over. There's, you know, like yeah, it's just yeah. super weird. It is weird because um, I think of all the catches we've seen so far, um, sometimes they'll the 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 win announcer will announce, you know, he's cashing his money in the bank, blah blah blah, as and sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, does it win the bell and that's it. It's a um, game over kind of thing. Um, mm. I mean, the best example I've had to be this year's cashing with, with Seth Rollins because he did it in the middle of a match. So probably having them that dead didn't make sense because there was a lot of people going, can you do that because in the middle of the match and stuff like that. And then they got to say, it's like, cashing in and because of that, there's now a couple of match. So, you know, having weird analysis sometimes does kind of make sense. Um, so at that point, um, Edge pretty much hits a spear and um, gets, well, only gets a two count because it's super Cena. Um, but Edge hits another spear and wins the uh, W Tommy for the first time. And so, yeah, so obviously it was stupid if Edge won the money in the bank and then proceeded to lose. So, um, so he becomes the um, WWE champion. Um, any thoughts about the clashing? Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember. Um, I remember worrying that, especially after Cena kicks out of the first couple pin attempts. Yeah. I remember worrying that, like, they're just going to put Cena over, you know, again. Like, it's just like he's going to have gone through all this and all this build and he's not going to win. Which I guess is good because that was probably the idea. The idea was, like, you know, he's not. uh, The idea was to make it look like it's not like he's just going to come in and roll over him and, like, that's that. Yeah. Um, so I guess that worked because I was in suspense for a moment of like, oh, they're just gonna put Cena over and like waste all this build. Um, but no, it's no, they did not, uh, which I was happy about. But it's not much to write home about, right? Like the the, I mean, very few cashins are, uh, which is kind of the problem, I think. Uh, you know, Rollins is very significant. Yeah. Um, and RVDs is very significant. And I, and I mentioned uh, at the last one, which is going to be, a, again, a future one for people who are listening to this now, but um, I I really like RVD's cash in, and I think they need to do more of that, where RVD was like, yeah, I won this briefcase, and I want to wrestle you where I have the home field advantage at yeah. one night stand, and they had a really fucking great match. And he put Cena over uh, clean, which that's another one that they were like recently. I've seen people be like, oh, nobody's beaten John Cena clean except for like, I don't even remember what the names were that were tossed around. But like uh, RVD beat Cena clean at uh, Extreme Rules, I think, that year. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that was great. Uh, it did exactly what it needed to do. It set up a great match and it made you want that. It made you want to check out that event. Right. Like. It's like, yeah, I want to watch this show because, like, Cena has to come to ECW. He has to come to the Hammerstein Ballroom with all these 
nutty ECW fans who are going to be chanting for, um, you know, for, for Rob Van Dam and like there was, I remember there was a big banner at that show that says if Cena wins, we riot. And that was yeah. like one of the times where like you actually believed that might happen. Like yeah, people always have those signs. Right. But like that show is one where you're like, no, like these people might actually like have a, like a soccer riot. Uh, sorry, a football riot. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, if, if John Cena wins this match, um, and that actually is just a really good show in general. Like Rey Mysterio and Sabu have this like ridiculous match on that show, but uh, I want to see more of that. But this just being the first cash in and and having it be like ten months after, um, I think made it really cool. Like because you kept being like, when is he going to cash this thing in? Like is he just going to hang on to it until WrestleMania? Yeah. Like what? Like what is happening? Um, you know and. Uh, and and then he wins it, which was great. And again, I felt like he really deserved the title by yeah. that point. Um, and that was the first of what would go on to be many title reigns for Edge, who still, I mean, I would say like of of this century, Edge has got to be one of the top guys, you know, top heels for sure. He just was so good and so hateable. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just. Yeah, and th- and this is really his uh, sort of coming out party is beating John Cena with the by cashing in the briefcase at New Year's Revolution, which I, it's important that as many wrestling show titles be like punny as possible. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing to say is at the at the time of recording of this, Edge has held the card off the longest. It is just 280 days. And um, just talking about cashing very briefly, I mean only RBD and. Seen that I've actually said, okay, no, cash in, I've got a match at this time. All the other, all the other ones have been like them seizing opportunities of like pretty much like someone that the champion would get fucked up by someone else and then they'll just, they just walk in and clear and cash in. Um, mm-hmm. one thing, uh, but one thing I liked about Sandoz cashing, even though he lost and that kind of fucked up his career effectively, uh, one thing I liked about him is that he created the opportunity himself. He attacked John Cena's elbow. Thought he fucked up enough and goes right now I'll cash in, kind of thing. So I mm-hmm. found that quite um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, any further thoughts about the Money in the Bank concept? And do you think it will become a staple like the Royal Rumble? Uh, I'm sorry. Say it one more time. Now I'm asking you if you, you think that the Money Bank now is ten years old. Do you think it? Will become like a like a staple at the Royal Rumble, or do you think? Um, I think, you know, I think there is and sort of always will be a certain amount of reverence for um, the 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 so called Big Four. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just. I think there's just enough. I mean, I guess I don't know because I've been watching wrestling since the eighties, so. It's hard for me to say how other people view it, but I get the sense that, you know, no, I don't think other people, and I guess you'd have to look at like pay-per-view buy rates or, or, or you know, whatever, uh, WWE Network ratings, if they ever release that stuff that says like this many people watched this show. I, I don't know if they do that, but I think you'd have to look into that stuff to see. But my feeling is that, no, I, I don't think people approach or feel the way about the money in the bank match or certainly the money in the bank pay-per-view as a standalone thing 
the way that they feel about the Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, just because it doesn't have the history. I mean, to me, like it's it was weird for me to realize that it's been ten years because it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Yeah. Um, which is just sort of a byproduct of getting older, I guess, right? Like I remember, like when Edge cashed in, I had just taken my wife to the my then girlfriend, now wife, to the airport because she was going to study abroad in Scotland. Uh, like the she left the night of the of the the New Year's Revolution pay per view and and missed Edge win, and which is she was she was and probably still is a pretty big Edge fan, um, you know, and so like it was weird that and I remember that and it's like that can't be that long ago, uh, but clearly it was. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, for me, I don't think the I mean the Royal Rumble started in the eighties, you know, um, and so I think. That's just a big. Uh, so I don't think audiences view it the same way. I don't think WWE presents it the same way either. I still think, even though they did away many many years ago with the in your house branding, uh, which kind of remained through like the late '90s of like these are the off brand pay per views. Even though like they stopped using the house set and they stopped being two hours long and they stopped being cheaper and they stopped. Uh, doing a lot of that stuff, they still kept calling them in your house to, sig- uh, to sort of signify, signify like these are different than those other four pay-per-views or or five when it was King of the Ring, right? It's different yeah. than those pay-per-views. Those are the the big pay-per-views, and I think there's still a feeling of these other pay-per-views are not as important as Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. Those are more important than all the rest, and I, so I don't, I just don't. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know how younger fans look at it, but for me, I think no. The the money in the bank is not does not have the uh, legacy or the weight or the importance of the Royal Rumble. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, we'll do that. Um, so, uh, Joe, where can we find an internet? Ah, well, since you asked, uh, you can find me mostly at onthestick.com, which is a website and a podcasting network. We have podcasts about movies and video games and Star Trek and all kinds of stuff like that. But mostly to the interest of these listeners, we have podcasts about professional wrestling. We have two shows. One is the What a Maneuver weekly wrestling podcast, which is my friend Eric and my weekly or almost weekly sojourn into the world of professional wrestling circa 1998. We are watching every episode of Raw and Nitro. We started with uh, the January 1st, 1996 episodes of Raw and Nitro, and we have watched every episode since. We are up through uh, February of 1998 is where we are at right now. Um, So that's the thing you can watch. There's over 100 episodes of that. And then also I do a show with my friend Greg called The Bowling Shoe Ugly Cast, which is a much shorter show where we basically pick a match. I pick a match that kind of sucks off the WWE Network. He doesn't know what it is. And then we sort of riff on it live. And that's the premise of that show. That's The Bowling Shoe Ugly Cast. And the What a Maneuver Weekly Wrestling Podcast. Uh, If you wanted to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Shake underscore Well. If you want to follow just the wrestling nonsense on Twitter, you can do that at What underscore A underscore Maneuver. And that's that's my shilling. Um, And for me, uh, the podcast is on logowrestling.wordpress.com and the blog's just for the kind of views at the minute is um, lotherwrestling.blogspot.com. And you want to follow me on Twitter, it's lotherwrestling at lotherwrestling, all one word. So, um, Joe, talk to me in the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to do it. And uh, join me next time we talk about the money in Batman at WrestleMania 22. 
So until then, thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye.